Do we need a countdown or something? Uh, I'm doing one, but it's like one of those silent countdowns on like TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> This is the Still Talking Podcast, our irreverent distilling industry podcast. <laughs> you have Colton, Zeno, and special guest, myself, Rob Masters. New Brian. <laughs> now, if I knew what irreverent meant, maybe it'd be even better. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. You nailed it. Oh, I always thought he was saying reverent podcast. <laughs> well, Maybe we maybe his are reverent and mine are irreverent. I don't know. The one time I've done it, I just said irrelevant. Um, <laughs> I thought it had a nice ring to it. Uh, yeah. Great. Well, thanks for uh, filling in for Brian. Yeah, man. He's 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 up shit creek with no paddle, I hear. He is, he is carrying around a shit bucket. That, let's give no context beyond that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we uh, we honestly thought Colt and I were like, well, is Rob on that trip too? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, for a super fun time, I don't even know river rafting. Yep, that's what we call. Yeah, I think they said that the like the ticket because you have to get a ticket to or a pass or whatever, and they only come up every ten. Yeah, years it's a big deal. Whatever they're doing, it's to a get big on deal. a list. Yeah, that's like I knew I knew some people who did the. Uh, um, I forget exactly which one, but it was an 18 yeah. year wait. Mm-hmm. I was like, God damn, that is a long time to, to love. Enough rafting. vague information about this <laughs> this very exclusive rafting trip. Have you ever seen Deliverance? <laughs> I I have, and Brian does have a pretty mouth. <laughs> um, we should uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna fill in with brian he what says this what the hell are we talking about tonight do we have to do news because yeah. i studied just news. To get some news oh shit yes we have to do news <laughs> you know colton and i really don't have any value so yes rob you're <laughs> yeah. going to have to do news. <laughs> all right yeah, we did here's what i got i'm gonna make it quick first off fet reduction expires in seven months and one day today is may 30th <laughs> Breaking, yes. breaking news. Get, We've never talked about this before. Get, Listen get up. Get off your asses. Go talk to your people, your politicians. Make it happen. It's real money. Real money. I'm I'm signed up for the DC. Flag. I'm not yet. Are I you? still got a few scheduling things I got to work through, but I'm I'm doing my best to get there. Where do you sign up? ACSA website. Uh yes. You can also donate to the pack if you can't make it. Well worth your yes, money. Awesome. True. I do believe that uh, I uh, two people, including myself, are going to be headed out to DC. Nice. I went last year. It's great times. I mean, it's even if you know, regardless of political affiliation, just seeing how the country is run. You know, like just walking through those buildings yeah, is amazing. so cool to see how it all works. You know, and we're pretty fortunate in Colorado because all of our people are supportive. And so we get to meet with pretty much everybody. Um, and uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just super cool to see how it all works out. So go check it out. Do your civic duty. Seven months, one day. Seven months. You heard it here. Day. All right. Uh, John Manfreda passed away. He was the director of the TTB. Um, 
Yeah, yeah it's very like sad. fifty years in government service. So, um, yeah, crazy time. So they said what they said he ran it for what fourteen yeah, years, something like that. I should probably something have like the that. press release in front of me. That's a long news, time. But... He's probably seen more bad movies <laughs> than anyone. Yeah. Do you, yeah. <laughs> and so, what kind of impact do you think that's going to have on us or the industry, if at all? I guess it depends on who the lieutenant who takes yeah. over is, right? If it's just the same who's, who came up under him and is going to run it exact same. I don't know. How- I don't know what he passed away from or of, you know, like maybe it was, it was a surprise heart attack. Oh, was it? Okay. I think it was cirrhosis of the liver. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Damn it. Cirrhosis of the liver. For that was sure. an easy one. Um, that was way too easy. Yeah, really. It, you just beach balled that <laughs> stupid, sad thing. Alcoholism is real. Um, what if, what if the new guy just is like cola approval is impossible? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you never, you never know, right? Yeah. I've got some colas in that have been in for like twenty-two days, which is the longest it's taken in the last what? year or so. Yeah. Remember, remember when we had the government shutdown? Oh, not yeah. this, not the Trump shutdown. Remember how long they got, you know, backlogged? Yeah. A few years ago. How? When was that? Twenty. It was a while ago, but yeah, that sucked too. Anyway, that this time, this last one, they caught up real quick. They did, yeah, for sure. Which makes me think they could have caught up before, too. I really think I'm suspect. <laughs> Except for now that, you know, I'm being recorded. Uh, you do a great job, TTB. Thank you for all your hard work. Uh, sticking with the TTB theme and moving on, um, they handed down another offer and compromise to another brewer. Actually, I think it was a distributor. Crown. Anyway, uh, clearly they're out there watching trade practice violations. So watch yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, does does that have details about what what that really? There was? weren't a ton of details. They typically don't release those details. You know, they'll tell you what the offer and compromise was, and typically what it was for. You know, like they didn't file the reports or trade practice violations of you know buying tap handles, things like that. Um, but they try not to go into too much detail. Okay, so they bought tap handles, something like that. for. Ten billion dollars. Yes. Yeah. We, we More swipes. For sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Swipes is the other thing, right? Here, swipe my card for a thousand bucks. No big deal. Nobody will notice that thousand dollar charge. To, yeah. yeah, it is real, right? Yeah. Uh moving on. Request for proposals for the ACSA conference. Submit your request for proposal. Or no, they submitted a request for proposal. So f- submit your proposal. By July first, we and this is for ACSA conference in Portland. Yeah, yep. So, um, so if you've got something to talk about, yeah, it's fun. I've done it a couple times. You know, like it's good. It it is for me. It was a good way to kind of get me out of my daily grind and start thinking about other things and working with other people to create these things. Um, and what it's were totally your, worth what it. You talked about. Uh, this last year, I did that talk on sourcing grains direct from farmer with the Whiskey Sisters, which is a local Colorado grain supplier. And then we had um, Gary Spedding, everybody's favorite nerd. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure Brian would like us to um, promote STPWX. 
exclamation point. Scientific society. <laughs> yeah. And then Aaron McLeod from Hartwick, who's just another kind of yeah, great, he is awesome. great nerd. Awesome, awesome guy. So uh, we had a good talk. STSD? STSD? Yeah, that sounds right. I actually, you know, as much as I may poke fun at the name, I do think it's actually great. And yeah. I'm glad. I'm looking forward to see what it turns yeah, into. Yeah, me too. I'm not nearly nerdy enough to be a part of it. So I'm excited <laughs> that there are a bunch of nerds out there that are nerdier than I that are willing to do it because I certainly will benefit from it at some point. Yeah, that's exactly right. You peer review and then I will read. <laughs> right? uh, it sounds like a plan. All right. Uh, this was a cool stat that came across my desk that spirit-based RTDs, so ready-to-drink cocktails or ready to drink is up 40 percent um which in the colorado market is totally true it's probably even more like 80 to 100 percent in the colorado market we are just now do you think do you think that's a trend oh it's totally a trend sign just i mean i guess not a trend but like a a blip of a trend or is it here to stay i just want to make a point that uh an industry podcast pointed out in their New Year's episode, <laughs> that RTDs were going to be one of the trends of 2019. Is 2019 the year of rum? <laughs> God damn it, Rob. You're stealing it from me, too. <laughs> you laid it out there, man. It was another softball. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I think that the RTD, I mean, from my previous experience at Fun Factory, um, they, I mean, it was obviously part of the business for overseas. But they were putting a lot of effort and whole teams and research and development for that for what I think is what's going to happen locally. And you're going to get more craft cocktails and stuff like that. And I'm seeing it here in New Orleans. New Orleans is a great place. Oh, yeah, because you can walk the street, right? Yep. yep. I actually just saw an article, too, this slight offshoot where I'm, I assume uh, – I assume they're just trying to jump on the bandwagon, but Coca-Cola just came out with a line of ready to mix sodas. Although I thought all sodas were ready to mix, but (laughs) they just weren't marketed that way. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I have this crazy shit in my refrigerator right now. There's a LaCroix mojito flavored, (laughs) like, and it has like mint and rum flavoring. It's non-alcoholic and like zero calorie. And my wife bought it, and I hate my life. There you go. Mix it with your bourbon cream. It'll be Uh, good. That's a whole other episode. We can talk about (laughs) these non-alcoholic spirits that have come out. Um, I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole because I feel like the three of us have a lot of great things to talk about. Um, (laughs) But uh, somebody brought up to me the other day, they're like, aren't those non-alcoholic spirits basically just flavored water being you know, and they charge the price of a spirit. I was like, no, I think they distill it. Yeah, but they don't have any alcohol in it. So they're yeah. just flavored water. Flavored yeah. Distilled water. Right. Yes. Great. I mean, the thing is, even if they use like an essence, yeah. right? It's an essence. Maybe it was derived from some kind of vacuum distillation, but they're using like one part per billion for like 300,000 gallons, right? So it just, the margins, I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I missed the boat. I wish I was on that LaCroix train and I was just making lime flavored seltzer water all fucking day. Well, put it in a fancy bottle. You can sell it as a, as a non-alcoholic spirit. 
Yeah, that's insane. Why? That's, I hate everything. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So back to that RTD thing. Spirit based RTDs are up 40%. Malt based RTDs are up 574%. So that's, that's the white claw effect, right? Like white claw is fucking king in that world right now. It's crazy. I actually, what, I don't know. What what is, what, yeah. I've never heard what, of it. What is a malt based RTD? You guys don't know about malt, about white claw? Colt 45? Are we talking Colt no, 45? No, not Colt 45. It's uh, like Mike's Hard Lemonade and uh, okay. White Claw's a big one here in Colorado. Maybe it's just because, I don't know, we like... No, the, I, I totally believe that. I, I, you know, I have friends that worked for Boston Beer yeah. Company and they own Twisted yep. Tea as yep. one of their brands. Yep. And, and Twisted Tea is when it's going apeshit. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, who the fuck drinks Twisted Tea? Apparently a lot of people. I think they bought Dogfish Head off of Twisted Tea. Yeah, probably. We can speculate. Man, you guys are good at speculating. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no facts here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't come prepared. That's why I get yeah. to yell at, the, at my uh, my radio every time I'm listening to your podcast. We actually, we actually do it just for you, Rob. <laughs> right? uh, one more bit of uh, just one more cool article that came across in uh, 750. Wayne Curtis had a great article about the emerging styles of American single malt. Uh, also something you guys should do a show about someday because I think it's a really cool topic. Just what we could do with American single malt. Well, I think that American single malt, we really should yeah. do it. But I want to have a lot of people that sit on the panel, like the panel that was at just ACSA, right? I want to have people on that, other people besides us. Because I can't really speak to it because I'm not making American single yeah. malt. Colton, you make something that slightly resembles a slightly American <laughs> single malt. Wait, which one of your 82 products is that? <laughs> it's the one with too much oak and not enough age. Yeah. Oh, and that's yeah, a good lead. So our topic tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. We're getting good at this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm leading them in. Just, you know, who can lead you to information? High proof creative. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, better than leading you to information, they lead customers to you. Yeah, that sounds better. Uh, <laughs> I had that backwards, right? Uh, but they really do. And uh, we, we work with them almost on a daily basis now. And it's really nice. With our hands in it less, it's being <laughs> taken care of better. All right. What are we talking about? Uh, aging or oaking Wood. techniques, right? Wood. <laughs> I'm glad you went with a real lowbrow dick joke. That was Rob. not a dick joke. Uh, uh, well, I took it as one, so <laughs> what does that say about me? Yeah, I think that I think Rob brought it up. You were just talking about, you know, techniques, right? We can talk about we've touched upon different volumes and chars and toast and some other squirrel. Squirrel was one that's popped up on our show before. But uh, what what are you guys kind of employing and what do you think it's out there and what do you think has a real future beyond, you know, everyone wants to accelerate barrel aging. So what do you guys think? Is, is it going to happen? Uh, well, definitely. As sort of, you know, technology increases, the what I'm most excited for, at least, is emulating different climates. So having, instead of just an open barrel room, uh, you have a you know, 
climate controlled barrel room that you can emulate whatever part of the world you want to. Um, so, you know, I think the easy go to is emulate Isla in Scotland. It's going to be. Is good. anyone doing that now? Do you know yep. of that? All right. Who, Rob? Tell me about it. <laughs> I think, I think you know. <laughs> the one distillery that gets mentioned probably every episode Bentley Heritage, of course. And has the money to make a climate controlled room. Yeah. Uh, they have, so they have two barrel warehouses and I may have this wrong because this all happened, uh, after I was, uh, kind of off of that project or not as involved as I was. Uh, but it's my understanding, again, you should have Johnny on to talk about this, uh, that they have Scotland and then they have Kentucky and both of them have HVAC systems that are automatically or yeah, automatically controlled, automated to measure the temperature and humidity of a certain area or city. So I think Scotland is, you know, somewhere in Speyside or whatever. And then Kentucky's probably just choose one town in Kentucky. And that HVAC system will run based on the exact weather in that space at any given time. Wow, that is crazy. I did not know that far. I thought they just like, well, Scotland's kind of like this humid, so let's turn up the humidity. No, that's way better that they're that meticulous yeah. about. They're like, no, it needs to be exact. But I, I'm interested to see data right. off of that. Yeah. Right? yeah, I hope that they send some barrels that they make to those climates to see, you know, over the years how the aging changes in theory between the two facilities. I'll tell you what they should do is they should get a hold of like strong spirits or someone just say, Hey, can we put like five barrels? Like, I mean, you're paying for real estate in a warehouse, but I mean, it's really five barrels is nothing to those people. So five barrels and then do a side-by-side comparison of their climate controlled one, you know, where they are to those ones that are actually aging in that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that would be that's cool. That's what I was yeah, saying. That's what Colin was saying. Uh, so, uh, sorry. What, <laughs> what would the differences be if the, uh, assuming that the HVAC system works magically and perfectly and they get the humidity and temperature exact at all times, the only difference would be barometric pressure and that, you know, well, what that does. But I think it would also be, it would be, the facility, right? Because I, you know, I don't, I haven't seen strong spirits barrel room, but if there's an open window or, you know, airflow mm-hmm. and all that, yeah. there's no way they're going to be able to emulate that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because bar- barrels will vary within a warehouse, whether it's on the top rack or the bottom rack. So yeah, yeah. just cause you got the temperature right at a, at a, uh, you know, a single point at, you know, some weather station somewhere doesn't mean it's emulating exactly what's happening in a rack house. I, I, yeah, I totally agree. Especially because if you've seen some of the rack houses out in Kentucky, oh, yeah. it looks strong. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I saw some on the news. I think it was a Barton's. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, actually brings up a good point. A listener sent me an email the other day. Somebody is selling uh, fallen Barton barrels online already <laughs> so i'm curious who we should sue maybe we can talk about that empty fallen barton barrels or full no not empty like the whiskey really like they're you know this was a fallen. this was fallen a saved whiskey. saved 
barrel from the crash of 20 whatever it was yeah because i'm sure we're the only ones that made that fucking joke that's it (laughs) (laughs) that just happened all right so it's 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 a class action lawsuit fine ours is on record at least (laughs) right we have that right yeah that that's interesting i didn't know that bentley heritage was doing all that that's insane and i can't imagine the cost of and the pain in the ass and that's that's great. I'm really interested to see. I mean, are they going to do two years, four years? What's their plan? Or don't you know? Or can you say, Rob? Uh, I don't officially know, so I don't want to speak to it. So, I mean, I know the plan. That's a Johnny I know the plan that was talked about, but you know, like seriously, you just you got to have Johnny on. So, all right. So we're talking about. I'm glad that you pointed out. You know, the top of the barrel, top of the rack house, the bottom of the rack house, and like kind of what Jim Beam does and they'll tell you at their fucking tour there, they'll say, you know, we do a cross selection blend. Right. And a lot of that is because exactly what you're saying, Rob, how they all age differently. And then specific things are only aged in certain parts of the warehouse. Then you have people like uh, that rotate barrels. So that's like one of the techniques. Do you see value of rotating them? I've heard of people spinning them and rotating them, changing levels, all the above. So you you, you actually mean rotating, not I've always understood rotating as taking something at the bottom of the warehouse, moving it to the top of the warehouse. Not a, I never thought people were physically rotating their barrels. I think they're doing both. That's a lot of work. Yeah. That is a lot that is a lot of work, <laughs> but there's people that do it. I mean, there's people that yeah, they literally rotate the barrels. And but I may when I did say it, I meant I more meant along the lines of I'm going to put the bottom on the top after, you know, yeah, two years, four years, two, or whatever, whatever it is. Right. X years. How do you guys feel about that? I think for me, it's about, I, I like to control all the variables possible, right? It's the scientific method. So the less variation I have in all the different steps that go into making whiskey, the better, I can come up with a final blend or understand what makes one whiskey better than another, one barrel better than another. Unless you have like a super specific scientific way of rotating those barrels, I feel like you're just, you're changing, you're changing the variables too much. Yeah. You're adding more variables, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with that too. And I think that what you're doing there, what couldn't you do with good blending, right? Right. Yeah, but but at the same time, I mean, you look at you look at Scotland, they only go what three, three stacks high, right? Mm-hmm. Versus Kentucky's twenty five or whatever. Well, okay, so that, that that's a great point too. That's actually you talking. Are you pallet houses or rack houses? Right. There's another technique that there is differences. Yeah. Right. I mean, I I would say this, and I, you know, you guys can disagree with me or not whatever but i think that i love what you said you want to control variables i'm in that camp too and i think that when it comes to barrel aging it's the thing that we can control the least yeah okay and it's and it's super like that's why i think we have we talk about it so much we're so obsessed with it is because we want information so that we can try and wrangle that and yeah for sure right i mean no no matter how many variables you get control of it's still a barrel that was once a living tree. That's was a different tree than the barrel next to it. Yep. So it's going to be different. I mean, 
when we're talking about variables too. So there's pallet house and rack house. And then we talked about char and toast on everything. If you go with like an independent stave as opposed to a Kelvin, right? They're charring and toasting very different ways, just mainly because of the size that they are. And I'm not saying one way is better than the other, but do you think you get a more consistent, it would be more consistent, you could eliminate more variables with someone that's totally automated like an ISC? Yeah, I think I think you would be, I mean, you. I, I think you would have a more consistent color that way, but flavor pro, pro flavor profile, I don't think. Okay. Again, a living tree, you're, I think that's a really hard variable to nail down. Yeah, north-facing right. slope, south-facing slope. Yeah, there's so many things. But that's what I love about making whiskey. You know, people ask me all the time, what's your favorite thing to make? And my instant answer is, my favorite thing to make is whiskey because there are so many damn variables to juggle. Rum. It's it's the year of rum. Weird ass Pachuca. I don't know what you're talking (laughs) about. Yeah. You know, it's just something that kind of popped in my head. It's, you know, and I know we had William on from Kelvin and we talked about season staves versus non-season staves. There, There are... You know, I'm just rattling them off in my tiny brain right now while we're talking. And there are a fuck ton of variables that it is really tough. So how do you think, what is your guys' favorite alternative to full-size barrels that we're kind of talking about? Maybe not put the method, but besides barrels. Favorite method. I hate the word favorite, but I'm saying it right now. (laughs) I don't have a favorite. I'm a, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to barrel aging of whiskey. All of my whiskey sits in 53-gallon barrels. We have like four 30-gallon barrels because we just needed to get some. It's the first barrels we filled, and it was during the oak shortage. So, you know, we got some 30s, but only four of them. Everything else goes in 53s, minimum of two years. Um, I'm a traditionalist. There's I'm not saying there's something wrong with aging in a smaller barrel or putting in staves or whatever. But the way I see it, all the big guys store their product in 53 gallon barrels, right? And if there was a better way, don't you think they would have figured it out by now? But why do you, why do you stop at 53 gallons? Why not? You know, the wine industry all uses 60 gallons. Right. Yeah. I mean, or whatever. Why, why don't you just age in a giant fooder? Exactly. But that's what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. Colorado's full of them. Yeah, right. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if there's a reason that all the big guys do it. And if there was a better way, they would have changed it by now. You can't tell me it's efficient to store millions of gallons of spirit in 53-gallon batches. Yeah, definitely not. Right? Well, so I don't I don't remember what book it was. I, I think it's proof, but... They're talking about when sort of the 53-gallon got standardized, and it was really because that was what fit on their racks. So, I mean, even this thing that we all say, well, we're traditionalists, we age in 53s, it's only, you know, 100 years old or whatever, and mostly because of the structures they had. Right, and I'm going to say this, Rob, it's not that I even disagree with you, because I don't, and I'm the same way. I'm like, when I think of barreling, you know, rum that I'm going to make in Louisiana or, but when I, when I need a barrel, I think 53s and that's kind of where I stop. However, I can, I mean, you can go bigger at different things like that, but 
it's tradition. And, you know, as being someone that is on that side of things, they stick very strongly to tradition. So I don't want to give them, man, I really stumbled on the word tradition. That's terrible. Um, (laughs) I don't want to give them too much credit as saying, oh, well, if they would have figured out something better, that's a big risk to take, right? Yeah, you got you got something that works. And I mean, you don't want to they they took a risk. They had William build them a honeycomb barrel. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like they've done it, though, like and they can, because, as you said before, five barrels to some of these guys is nothing. Right. So you can't tell me they haven't taken. I, I mean, Buffalo Trace did it with Warehouse X, right? You know, they're trying all these different things. I think the only thing they haven't tried is different sized barrels. There's a reason for that. Yeah, I mean, they they absolutely are making efforts for accelerated barrel aging and better barrel. And a big part of it is they want to control barrel loss, right? Because yeah. why not? Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't think that they're going to be the people to really, I think they're the people to get everyone to use it, but they're not going to be the people to really try something else and figure it out. And I don't think barrel size really is going to change that much. But maybe I think that there is a method that will come up that we understand more about it that can accelerate it. I just don't think it's a 30-gallon or a 15-gallon or a 5-gallon or wood chips yeah. or cubes or dust or anything yeah. like that. No, I think the things that could change it are the super nerdy scientific things like the sonic aging or you know all those the the things people are doing to speed oxidation and then let's talk about all the other things that happen within a barrel other than flavor development of leaching of wood right we have oxidation we have the angel share which is the evaporation of lower alcohols and other things um we have esterification right like there's all these things that happen and I feel, I, I'll be honest, I haven't spent a whole lot of time researching what other people are doing because, again, I'm a traditionalist and I'm just sticking with what I know works. But I feel like a lot of these sped up aging processes that are out there are just focusing on one thing. They're either focusing on just oxidation or they're just focusing on just wood extraction, right? But they're not focusing on all the things that happen. And that's really tough to do because I mean, just those, you know, you know, like there's, you know, there's additive, subtractive and reactive things that happen in that barrel. And then there's the rate of reaction over time. So it's kind of a complicated process that's happening, right? Well, and even if someone figures out the best extraction rate, as soon as you go to another climate, it's different. Right, right. And I think like the ones that I've seen where they're doing, you know, gas chromatography, mass spec detector. They're just taking this subset of peaks. They're like, there's this characteristic on this rum that we found and they're trying to overlay it. Okay, but how are you telling me? You have to, that only gives me that it's there, not how it was made. You know what I'm trying to say there? It's like, what was that reaction over time? What was in that distillate and that wood that created that? You can kind of do some deductive reasoning, but... I think even if you do that, say you grab 30 of them, how many, there's way more than 30, right? So I think it's, it's just extremely difficult to do. I I always go back to, what is it? Lost coast and their rum and his accelerating thing. Yeah. I think it's just lost spirits, but yeah. Yeah. Lost spirits. Sorry. But yeah, he's the one who's, who's doing the, the GC analysis and all that. 
Right. And it's just, it, and that's what he's doing, right? He's like integrating peaks. Yeah. He's like, this is right. Isoamylacetate at this concentration. And here it is. Yeah. But also, you know, like I think I talked about it on the Kelvin episode, but one of the things that he found was a bunch of acetobacter on the outside of the barrel. Yeah, I thought about this whenever Rob was like, let's talk about, yeah, yeah, exactly. Go on, so like, repeat that because it's interesting. <laughs> so just outside yeah. barrel chemistry, right? Like he's he's doing all these GC specs and he can't figure out why where all this acetic acid is coming from because there's no real, there's no real organic pathway that would create this compound in just a standard aging system. But then you look at the outside of the barrel and it's just covered in acetobacter that over 20 years is dripping slowly into your whiskey. Right. So we only have so many variables that we can control, right? And we kind of talked about that it's the hardest thing to control. But so size and time, Rob, you said two years. Is that a sweet spot because you're a traditionalist? Because <laughs> Rob's got the fancy cash. Flow. No, yeah. Well, that's exactly <laughs> right. it. Because sooner or later, your investors are going to knock on the door and go, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Where's my return? Yeah. Um, no. And honestly, like at the rate we're going, we're probably going to be a three-year minimum actually. Um, but I, I, I just like two years because then you can put straight on it. You know, at the end of the day, we're not bottling anything we don't think is ready. Um, but when we started, we had to put a time limit on it, right? We had to put a number to it so that we could, we could model around it. We could plan for it and forecast for it. So we chose two because then we at least have a straight bourbon, um, which, you know, that's another argument. Like, do people even know what straight means? Like, does Joe Public walking through the liquor store go through the bourbon aisle and only buy bourbons that say are straight bourbons? Does he even I'm, know what I'm pretty means? sure they think straight means Kentucky. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> my, <laughs> my interactions with the public tell me so. Yeah. Bourbon also means Kentucky, so... There is also an LBGBQT STSD joke in here that I'm not <laughs> going to make. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that, Rob. Does anyone even really know what that is? I saw, but funny enough, I saw someone release something. It was like one year and 11 months. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Why would you do that? Right. <laughs> like, you only have to put an age statement on, right? <laughs> You, you had one more month. You couldn't wait 30 days, 31, right? Isn't the age statement yeah. under four Which, years, though? Yeah, it is. Is it under yeah. four but, years But now? I think if you have straight, they let you get away with it. Huh. Yeah, I think if you say straight, you don't have to put... You know, and, and as we talked about earlier, who, who the fuck knows what it's going to be now? Yeah. Right, yeah. I, <laughs> uh, clearly, I don't know. Wild West yeah. again. So. <laughs> Yes. All right. So no. So you're saying it's more of a business decision as opposed to, and then, you know, I bring it out. Like, I don't know if you listened to when we were talking about in Fr- when I was in France and like the Calvados, you know, they're not even touching it till like eight mm-hmm. years. I, I think they find that sweet spot and even bourbon for a long time was eight years. Yeah. The premium bourbons were eight yeah. years, right? Like Knob Creek was nine. Buffalo Trace was eight years. Now that's all changed because a lot of things are being de-aged, but I'm curious, right? Like it's a variable that we can control time. Well, if your cash flow allows for it, you can. Right. Here's here's the question I have that I've been considering doing, but 
uh, just haven't. So obviously we do small barrels, so I'm always concerned that I'm not getting the oxidation that I should be, right? Do you guys think I would have any benefit if I, you know, put a oxygen stone in there and just let it bubble up for an hour or so before I barreled? What, actually force dissolve the oxygen? <laughs> yeah, basically raise my my DO levels to whatever um, over 30, you know, like, like a brewer does sending their, sending their wort to the fermenter, but this is after distillation, sending it to the barrel. I don't know. Let's ask Bentley Harris to try it out. (laughs) (laughs) Just put it in a a room that only has O2, nothing else. No humans can walk in there. Yeah. So you die immediately. Um, Not a, a hazard zone at all. (laughs) <laughs> I see I think that there's a lot of rate of reaction. What do you guys think? Yeah, I do too, but also just having it in there is there a chance that I'm speeding up those You know, it's a, it's a rate of reaction, but it's also a rate of just I think those molecules colliding. And it's kind of the path I was going down, but also, you know, oxygen costs money and whiskey costs money and time costs money, so Yeah, you're going to put an oxygen stone in every one of your barrels. Well, I'd put it in the big tank before, but but yes, that instead of a bung, I just have a oxygen. Just it's plugged up with an oxygen. Yeah, stone. This sounds like a really cool distillery. I want to see yeah. it. I I honestly can't tell you. I don't know. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I honestly don't know either. I mean, I feel like you can't cheat. This might time. be a question for STDS. Yeah, no, for sure. Gary Spedding, right? Like the guy, he, uh, I don't know if you guys follow him on Facebook or not, but like he goes off on these rants every once in a while about like small barrel aging and speeding, uh, you know, and whatever. And he is a very, very, very strong proponent that you cannot cheat aging. You cannot speed it up. There's no science. Nobody has scientifically proven that you can speed up what happens in a 53 gallon barrel over six, seven, eight years. I kind of, when he says you can't cheat it, I just say he he's right. The guy knows what he's talking about, you know. So part of the reason he's everyone's favorite nerd too is because he's such a lovely human being. <laughs> yeah. Too. yeah, unless you're a Republican, yeah. he's not like Republican. Well, let's not get carried away. This isn't a political no. podcast. Yeah, it's a family show. We told you. Sorry that. about that. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to swear. Yeah. Keep the abortion jokes to yourself. <laughs> Save the jokes for the podcast. Someone <laughs> once told us. I, I think, I, I mean, I, I agree with you on all that, Rob. It's like, yeah, if no one's, and no if no one has proven it, right? And I think on its very basis, right, ethanol and water clustering that happens over time. I think that there's some value to that on top of oxidation and esterification and evaporation, right? Like you're super volatile, compounds that you don't want in your spirit are most likely what super volatile. They're most likely going to evaporate by the time you're ready to dump that. So yeah, man, even talking about this is kind of depressing because I'm like, we don't know anything. (laughs) No, totally. Which is why I don't like to fuck with it. You know, like stick with what everybody has proven works. No, I think one thing we're skipping over is that, there is definite, you know, for certain products at least, but there is a, you can overage. Oh, yeah. No doubt. 
no question. Yeah. Oh, time is great, but there is definitely a too much time. And that's mostly it. That's mostly an extraction problem yeah. of the wood, not yes. a justification or anything. Right. But yeah, it's I love when people are like, Oh, my pappy yeah. whatever, twenty something. I'm like, Awesome, you like pencil shavings and to show off to your friends. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought of when you talked about rotating barrels physically. It's like, oh, that's just too much too much extraction. Yeah, it's and it's all tannic yeah. and astringent and yeah. I, I totally agree. There is it goes back to too much oak with too much age. <laughs> Look at that, I mixed it up. Yeah. I've never seen that on a score sheet. <laughs> oh, I mean, and there's a lot of that, and we we talked about this before on here, is that we perceive it, but we look at it, right? We look at the color, and we're like, oh no, yeah, right? yeah, that's true. This was this was in a five gallon barrel. It is gonna taste like my desk, right? Yeah, but you know what always blows me away is Kings County and their five gallon barrels. I don't know what secret magic potions they're pouring into their whiskey, but. Big barrels. They have big barrels too. They they do now, but they didn't, and they haven't. They didn't for a long time, and they still were killing. Well, Nicole was there blending the so shit out. That's of it, right? and that that's just yeah. That's just the blending procedure. So, if anyone happens to stumble upon this podcast, I'm not trying to deter you. Like, oh, you're using small barrels. Fuck you. That's not what I'm saying. It might be what no, Rob is saying. I qualified that a long time ago. Like, you think it's what I'm saying? <laughs> As I sit here on my. 15 gallon chair <laughs> listen i'm just trying to villainize you guys so i can I'm sound just, good yeah. i think it's a stylistic choice right it's like the same choice as which yeast you're using and what's your grain bill and you know are you double pot distilling or are you going through a column you know blah 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 right it's a stylistic choice to use a smaller barrel i'm not saying it's a bad one i'm saying it's not the one that i make i mean uh, lafroig uses small barrels sometimes right they finish Af- yeah, yeah they finish. i was gonna say after 15 years and big barrels but right they so i'm gonna go with you know we just talked to cody from ab biotech about yeast well here we are we're talking about barrel aging right so every step that you're taking along the way is setting it up for the best way to age in that barrel and i think there's a lot that goes into that too do you make a heavy characteristic you know new make spirit because you know you can age it for two to four years and you think it'll kind of age out interesting go for it. But if you're making like a super clean spirit and you just want to get a little bit of oak on it and you're using small barrels, right. It's totally stylistic and subjective. Yes. Yeah. And and I mean, even if you look at the, the big bourbons that are, you know, like, like Pappy and, and all those, the older ones are usually weeded and not rye, right. Cause rye kind of has this point where the wood extraction versus the rye spice do not blend well. Yep. At a you know at a certain age, I won't say it's like twelve years and on. I don't I don't know of a good rye that. Well, that's not true. Sazerac, eighteen years and on. Yes. Sazerac eighteen is pretty fucking good. Man. Eighteen years yeah. and on. Yeah, I I think that kind of we're talking about you know setting it up and control, and then you get to the barrel and like then what can you do besides fucking wait? Yeah. All right. Shake it. And then. Yeah, you can shake it and move it, right? I've really, I've really wanted to, mostly because you know we, our flagship has peat in it, so I'm always looking at how to kind of emulate Scotland, and I don't have a super fancy uh, control room, but I thought if I just got a humidifier and put salt water in it, 
I'd have a broken humidifier in two days. But, I was just going to say that. <laughs> I would have two days of uh, saltwater mist that might emulate the ocean. I, I just like to think of you walking into that room and you're like, my eyes! Yeah. <laughs> uh, nothing makes me happier now. Now I'm going to be able to sleep. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. You, we've talked about that before too, right? Like, how do you really emulate those uh, areas? Yeah, what's in the air there? And it, you know, I'm curious. So, like, you guys have been to Kentucky. You have seen the warehouses there. Uh, did you notice all the distillers mold on warehouses? Oh, yeah, yeah, and the surrounding buildings and homes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, that. I'm, well, I wasn't. I'm not supposed to talk about. Um, because that's yeah. a real thing, right? It's not harmful. It's not yeah. harmful at but all. People don't know that. But they see black car- mold and they freak out. Yeah. yeah, and your car is covered. Like, well, and I have. I mean, do you guys have any in your distilleries? No, we're not big enough. You got to be huge for that. I think. I mean, I. You, I guess you could probably have it if you had. You know, a really old barrel sitting in a corner. That corner might have some, but. I think that I don't even think it would take that much to be honest with you. But the the point the the fact that it's not about black mold. This isn't the black mold episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's more about that. What's in the air? What's in the surrounding environment? This would be very difficult to duplicate. You know, what I think they should do. They should put a barrel in Scotland with the same liquid and the same barrel at. Bentley Heritage. Did we talk about that yet? We did. Twice, actually. <laughs> I know. I was making a joke. That makes three. So we rule one out. Like, I, I'm curious to what people are going to come out with, with squirrels and whatever that hell that thing is that you sent us a picture of. Yeah, I sent, I mean, it was a Titan barrel we got a sample of. It's just a, you know, stainless drum with two barrel heads, and then I can change out the staves. Now there's about 60... Um, bolts that I have to undo to change out the staves. So very I convenient. So the only wood contact it gets is in the head. <laughs> no, no, the staves. The staves are in there. Ah. So it has the the interesting thing is that they built it to be fifty three gallons, and then they shoved a bunch of staves in there. So it's like <laughs> forty five gallons, <laughs> which I did not expect <clears throat> when I was filling it. So I was like, oh god damn it. Um, but you know, I, you know, so I have. The one I have has French oak heads, and then I have Hungarian oak um, on the inside. It's really a wine industry thing, yeah. but they're starting to break into the spirit world. Um, and the stuff that's coming out of there is great. I'm going to use it as finishing a finishing barrel, but all that seasoned staves and profile seasoning came from wine too. Don't be fooled. You know yeah. what I mean? Like... Oh, the wine guys have they have like 10 million different ways to yeah. toast a barrel but look let's be honest perception is reality and if you market it like look at makers 47 right and they're like they bring these accounts of these restaurants in and they say hey do you like this flavor profile well we could do that with three right hungarian yeah. oak and one <laughs> russian black oak stave and like this ridiculous blend of these seasoned staves are like oh well it's this toast and they do that but those people are eating that shit up Right? Is it? Does it really matter? Do they really know? Can they have data to support all those claims? 
It's like this podcast where we say things. <laughs> Maker's <laughs> Mark, wildly to... speculating. <laughs> okay, so not that I want to beat up on Titan Barrel Works, uh, but let's talk about what we said before, all the different things that happen in a barrel, right? The evaporation, yeah. the esterification. Like, do you get the same evaporation out of that Titan Barrel as you do a regular barrel? No, I would guess. No. you know. Well, what's funny is that they told us we would get more, but I, I found that hard to believe. Yeah, because the only thing exposed to the air is the heads, right? Yeah, but the heads is where you lose a majority of it anyways, right? So, but anyways. So I had I had this guy come in the other day um, who's a used barrel salesman who does, you know, barrel contracts all over the world. That sounds so funny. It sounds like a vacuum cleaner salesman. <laughs> That's how you're doing. Like, hey, how you doing today? Uh, do you like some used barrels? <laughs> That's what I imagine in my head. Um, used barrel salesman. Go on. Uh, so he was saying that their company had done a lot of digging and that they had come to the conclusion that to be a bourbon, it had to be uh, American oak, which counted South America. So they were starting to use a lot of um, what, like Peruvian and Andean <laughs> oak. I was like, well, that's that's interesting. I bet that's pretty cool. I love the tangible doubt that I can feel from Rob. <laughs> How dare they call yeah. South America America? They don't come from Kentucky or Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, that's that's uh so where is that gonna lead you? Are you gonna get some South American barrels, Colton? Is that what you're telling us right now? I mean maybe. What's the carbon footprint on that? They seemed very expensive. He was wearing a very nice vacuum suit. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know you gotta throw him over the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this wasn't a political podcast. <laughs> it's only politics. I change my mind every five yeah. seconds. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the TTB definition, there, I guess they're right. I'm sure that's an interpretation, but yeah. there's no reason you couldn't. I guess mm. I'm not going to make that oak. argument. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure Kentucky will have have a little bit of an issue with that. They got an issue with anything outside of Kentucky that's called bourbon. I mean, but you talk about terroir barrels and how, you know, I mean, that might be one of the biggest changes we could see for. for right. Bourbon. But I mean, like bourbon, bourbon's a pretty solidified technique. Right. And then in terms of barrel aging, at least, and there's at least hope for change. It's pretty heavy handed, too. Can we agree on that? <laughs> sure. I mean, anything new oak is always going to be a predominant. But everything about it, like. I made I made more bourbon in four years than probably make for the rest of all of us combined for the rest of our lives, right? Like you don't and I, I, I can say that there's I'm not saying it's sloppy by any means, like it's there's a lot of data, it's data driven and tradition driven, but it's not as meticulous as one would think. So I don't know. I don't know. I, the barrels is it a different species? Colton? Yeah, I think it is. I, I'm okay. 100% not going to remember what the species was. but Well, I mean, just like there's a discernible difference between you get French oak versus American oak. And if someone never tasted either wine or spirits, 
or anything in those barrels ever before and put them side by side, I'm pretty sure they could differentiate the two. Yeah, I mean, right? it's the same thing with the, uh, what is it, Oregon Oak or whatever, the Gariana. Uh, right. Which I guess technically you could age, you could age a uh, bourbon and Gariana and call it bourbon, right? It is American Oak. Yep. Or do they specify it has to be white oak? I don't remember. I don't think they do. I I honestly think it just says oak. New American. New charred oak containers. I don't know that it says American either, but, you know, we could do research or we could speculate. So Let's just speculate. <laughs> um, we didn't talk about any alternatives because I feel like we all feel the same way about chips and cubes and spirals and and it's all subjective and if you, you want to take that approach well i think here's here's my thing with chips and cubes is it's an extraction rate so you have to most people are using chips and cubes to speed up their timeline but if you're still going for that sort of esterification and all those extras that we've talked about you're still waiting that x amount of time in the end so why not just buy the barrel and mostly with chips and cubes they're not charred so you're losing that aspect of it too right well you can get toasted and charred cubes and here's what i i think of cubes um i think they do actually have value i don't think for your finished spirit but i think if you have say you made a gin and you're like i wonder what this tastes like with a little bit of oak yeah you can very modestly add a very small amount <laughs> to a very small amount of that liquid and get a rough idea of what you think it will do. Right. And I think there's value to that as far as aging your spirits to bottle and sell. Again, that's up to you. If you want to do that, great. I'll, I'll try your spirit and maybe it's great. And I hope that it is. Well, I think, I think even you, you, completely changed my mind uh if especially with like a gin adding a bunch of cubes would be great right because you're not necessarily looking for that long aging time yeah no you're looking for vanilla right like, you're looking for that oak character so that's yeah. that's a perfect use so our sponsors right. are are welcomed back if we ever have <laughs> sponsors <laughs> i mean i've used them though i mean i i use them some of them when i use them is i learned from you know, Joe, you guys like my dad and taught me how to make wine. I use them for wine, but we use them to get an idea, right? It wasn't like we're going to oak this all with cubes or chips. We got an idea. And when we can actually oak things, then we do it the proper way in a, in a barrel. I shouldn't say the proper way because that makes <laughs> me feel like I'm picking a side. Yeah. Rob, you, you've gotten silent on the oak cubes and chips thing. Well, it's a traditionalist. <laughs> I'm picking up. I'm picking up a pretty heavy vibe right now. I'm just saying. No, no. I just go back to all the other things that happen in a barrel. Like, don't overlook that. You know, like barrel aging is more than just extracting oak flavors. So what about what about finishing with cubes? If right? you want if more you oak want... flavor, sure. Well, but what if you soak? What if you soak a cube in port for a week, and then throw it into the ocean, and then grab it? <laughs> yeah, if you want, if you want port flavor, I don't know. Uh, final thoughts.
I feel like the grunt is really forced nowadays. I'm not gonna lie. We could we can come up with a new one. A new grunt, or yeah, or we could just go back and edit in an old grunt. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, in fact, we could, we could copy grunts from other movies and podcasts and edit Hulk, those in. Do you think Hulk Hogan grunt us, grunts a lot? <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. I think he got Hogan. Did you listen to our episode? <laughs> I'm like halfway through it. Or he's just got Hogan on his mind. <laughs> uh, my final, our final thoughts have been abysmal. By the way, <laughs> um, you know what? I think there's a lot unknown, so I'm going to encourage uh, people to experiment. But I too am a traditionalist because the spirits I like most come out of the most traditional type of bear weed. I think we're never going to find you know, anything that helps if we don't keep trying. So 90% traditional and then keep that 10, 10% as crazy wild experiments. I'll agree with you to most, most of that, you know, there's a quote that Henry Ford had that like, if, if I would have just built what everybody wanted, I would have made another horse, something like that. Right. So I totally get the experimentation and trying to find another way. Um, but don't forget about all the different things that happen, right? Like, don't just focus on wood extraction, focus on oxidation and esterification and evaporation because it's super important.